Welcome to Unfinished Business with Matthew Sweeney, where we talk everything sports. This is the official pilot episode where I bring my dad on for an interview. We each give our top five Redskins of the past double decade from 2000 to 2020. I'm not sure if double decade is a word, but hey, I'm going to go with it. I want to start by thanking you all for tuning in, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Before I talk about who I am, the podcast, and we get to the interview, I want to give a huge shout out to my cousin James. I've really always wanted to put together a sports podcast, but found a way to make an excuse. James has showed me the basic equipment I need and what software will work best for me. He actually has his own podcast called The Jimmy James Effect. If you have some time, please go check it out. I really recommend the episode Prison Politics. Now let's get started. So I think before we get into the episode, um, it's important that I lay some framework, who I am, how I got to where I am, why I decided to do this podcast, and what you should expect moving forward. Uh, My name is Matthew Sweeney. I am 22 years old. I will actually be turning 23 in May. Um, I grew up in Frederick, Maryland, went to Tuscarora High School, graduated in 2015, went to Shenandoah University and graduated in 2019, studied sport management there. And now I have about a semester left of a master's program at Salisbury University. So thank God I'll be finished up um, my education in a couple months now. Um, I've been playing and following sports since I was about three years old. Uh, My mom tells a story all the time about when I was on the sideline of my first soccer game, three or four years old, and I was crying on the sideline because I didn't want to play. But as soon as I stepped uh, foot on the field. I absolutely fell in love with soccer. Um, Extremely competitive person with my brothers, with friends, with family. Anyone who knows me well knows I hate losing and that's with pretty much everything that I do. Played soccer all my life into college as well. Played four years at Shenandoah, but I picked up lacrosse in high school, ran track, um, played flag football, played men's league softball. I mean, I think I've done it all except for played tackle football. My um, Probably what something that most people don't know is my parents wouldn't allow me to play football until I was a freshman in high school, and by that time I'd already fallen in love with soccer. So I was playing that pretty competitively, so I just stuck with that. Um, why I decided to start the podcast, I, I have great conversation with my friends and family about sports. We can go on for hours discussing professional leagues, players, controversies, sports betting. I mean, pretty much everything um, around sport and fitness, I felt like I had great conversation and I decided that why not record it and publish it and let um, more people listen to it. Um, I always wanted to do a podcast, but didn't really quite know what it all entailed, what editing software I needed, what um, equipment, what microphones and so on. But luckily, James has helped me with that, and I just decided to pull the trigger. And I want to remind everyone listening that this isn't something that's supposed to be super serious. Um, I'm not trying to make establish a brand or you know profit off of this or have sponsors and so on. This is just something fun, a hobby, really, that I wanted to pick up and so far have really loved putting together. Where if I'm having a great conversation with my friends, I 
clip on the mics and we just continue the conversation. Um, nothing more than that. So I really want to remind you all that I'm just having fun with this and you're going to listen to some of the growing pains actually later in this episode. Um, you'll hear some echoing, maybe the dog barking. I will stutter. I'll have a gaff here or there. And anyone who listens, most people that I know who listen to their voice really don't like it. And that's been something that has been tough because I've had to listen to the entire episode with my dad. But um, I didn't do actually a whole lot of editing to it. I just kept it as it is. And I think I need to work on uh, bringing a little bit more energy to the podcast. Uh, I was actually a little bit nervous last night recording with my dad. And, you know, people are going to say, oh, that's weird. Why would you be nervous talking to your dad about sports? And I think as I'm talking about the skins and top five players, which what you, which is what you will hear later on, um, I was trying to, you know, constantly think like, oh, don't mess up here. What will it sound like when they're listening if you say this? But once I really got settled in and just remembered that it was a conversation with my dad, nothing more than that, um, I think it got a little better. But I do just want to remind you all that this is just something for fun. So don't rip me to pieces if I uh, have a gaffe here or there. Um, what content can you expect moving forward? Um, I don't plan on putting together, you know, something weekly or something every a couple of days. Like this is going to be random. I might go a couple weeks without producing anything, but I might produce a couple episodes in a week if there's something I really want to talk about and um, if there's something my friends really want to come on and talk about. So moving forward, you should expect here MLB, NHL, NBA, professional teams, professional players, sports betting, um, sports controversies, I mean everything related to sports. So I hope you all enjoy and I hope you all stay tuned and, uh, and enjoy the episode with my father. Thank you so much. All right, and now I welcome on my dad, Mark Sweeney. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. So in the first episode, we were trying to figure out what a week ago, what we should really talk about. Um, I kind of thought at first, maybe we just talk about how we fell in love with sports together, what teams we like, some of the games we went to, but what was it, about a week ago, we were talking the Redskins and the Redskins are both of our favorite teams, I would say. Um, probably what we know the most about. So we decided to maybe do a top five, top ten power rankings because most people who watch and listen to sports love hearing about top five this, top ten that. So we decided to go with the top or eat both of our top five Washington Redskins from 2000 to 2020. So to put, I guess, a little background in this, I was born in 97. So some of the early Redskins in what, from 2000 to 2007, I know like the big names, but I don't know like a ton of them very well. So you're gonna hear probably a lot more from me of the Redskins in the past decade, but that's why I have my dad on because he can talk about the ones from 2000 to 2010. So I will let him start because he's the guest. And so I guess we'll just go right into it. What we'll do top, we'll do top five. So start with your fifth best Redskin from 2000 to 2020. 
So when I'm thinking about the best Redskins, best five Redskins of the last 20 years, to me that means that uh, they had to have worn the jersey um, at least in 2000 forward and that they played at least three seasons with the Redskins. So it's actually, this has been really interesting to look back over 20 years of different players. Um, and it was a lot harder than I thought, which I think maybe says something about the current state of the franchise under, under Dan Snyder's ownership. But, um, but we'll give it a go anyway, because I, I first became a Redskin fan about the mid-80s or so, and I moved down to Maryland from Connecticut um, in 87. So I saw the glory years, um, you know, multiple Super Bowls, Hall of Fame coach, phenomenal players. Um, been a little bit rougher the last couple of years as I'm trying to raise my kids as Redskin fans. So uh, my number five best Redskin of the past two decades um, is a current player. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, he has something in, in common with um, the other other four that I picked in that um, he uh, was a first round draft pick for the Redskins. Um, and he has uh, been a phenomenal, uh, consistent performer for us, you know, from, from day one. Um, you know, he's a four-time pro bowler you know, 2012, then 16, 17, and 18. Yeah, he had a had a rough year this year in the sense that, you know, he wasn't able to play the, the whole season. Um, but, you know, his work has been great. In, in 2018, um, he uh, set the record um, for all-time sacks for the Redskins. You know, he passed... Uh, um, Charles Mann, who had an opportunity to see in earlier decades of the Redskins. Um, so while he's had a relatively short amount of time with the Redskins, um, you know, he's already been multiple time pro bowler, rookie to, to 2018, and um, set records. So there's no reason why he won't be a Redskin um, ring of fame player for his career, and I really hope he's back next year. And actually, I want to go back to one thing we talked about, how the Redskins organization and success on the field has been slim to none in the past 20 years. And we were talking about if you did the same thing with the Patriots, I guess how easy it would be to, to think about five players, but also how hard it would be to narrow it down to five. And we're sitting here trying to pull together five Redskins in the past 20 years, and I brought up earlier, you could potentially put a punter in the top five. You know, that's a reflection, I think, on how bad the organization has been. Hopefully we're, you know, going to be going in the right direction, but we will see. So, so did you have Kerrigan on your list? I had Kerrigan on my list. I'll get to him later, but number five, I had Sean Taylor. And I think this pick is a little bit of a potential overproduction pick because, you know, some people say, you know, how he wasn't around on the team long enough to really make it to the top five. But may, so maybe it is a potential overproduction. But I also started following the skins closely when he first got into the league. And 
how could you not like him as a kid going into the league? He was a hard hitter, um, played with reckless abandonment. We talk about um, the Pro Bowl every year, and one of the best memories I have of the Pro Bowl is actually when, I don't know what year was it, um, 2007, when he absolutely destroyed the punter on a um, fake punt. And no one does that in the Pro Bowl, but of course, Sean Taylor had to be the guy that took the head off of a punter. But we took him fifth overall in 2004 from Miami. In his junior season at Miami, he had 10 interceptions, um, which is pretty incredible in a college game. That's what, 12, 13 games they play. Um, he was a two-time pro, pro bowler. From what I looked at, since 2000, he is the only first-team All-Pro Redskin. Um, he was also a first-team All-American and All-Big East his junior season before he got drafted. Now, you, you know, I had, uh, I had him almost like my number six or my num number seven when I'm starting to get into players that I enjoyed watching the most, the ones that you know, really kind of got you excited. Um, but that you couldn't list as, you know, the best in the, in the 20 years. You know, the thing about him is the way he pay, played, you know, that very aggressive, the abandonment you talk about. And, you know, of course, he was coached by Greg Williams. And, you know, that whole culture of hit it hard. And, um, you know, the game has changed. So, you know, for him to have been a best Redskin had he lived, um, I think he, he would have had to change the way he played. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know if uh, he would have been able to do that or not, but yeah, um, Sean Taylor, he was something. And it's interesting as we get in, my dad asked me earlier, so what really, how do you get into the Pro Bowl? What, what makes you a Pro Bowler versus an All-Pro? And I, I always thought Pro Bowler was okay, all the fans sit down, they do the voting online. Now it's on Twitter too. Um, it's kind of crazy how things are changed, but I thought Pro Bowl was m the majority, just fans vote, you get in, you know, coaches have some say, but on the research I was doing, the Pro Bowl, um, it's voting, but a third of the votes come from the coaches, a third of the votes come from the players, and a third of the votes come from the fans. That's for the Pro Bowl. The All-Pro, which I would say is a higher award. I mean, I'd rather um, All-Pro pretty much sets you as the best. If you're All-Pro offense, you know, um, all first team All-Pro wide receiver, you are uh, one of or the best receiver in the league for that year. And that's actually done by press, uh, sports press organizations. So the AP All-Pro, that's Associated Press All-Pro. So I will take over number four. And this is a guy we took out of Oklahoma in 2010, left tackle, Trent Williams. He was our fourth overall pick, um, 6'5", 315 pounds, which I was actually surprised to see that he was as big as he was because you know, the anyone who's watched the NFL in the past 20 years have seen how the game has changed to a more of a passing offense and the linemen aren't 340, like 340, 350 pounds anymore. Um, 
but he's still a pretty big guy, 6'5", 315. Um, early on, he was suspended with Fred Davis, I remember this, for a failed drug test. I think he missed four games. And as fans, I don't think any of us knew if he would ever really turn out to be anything. Um, it just seemed like a few screws were maybe loose. He was hanging out with the wrong guys. But I think in a, a year or two later, he actually was named captain co-captain alongside Santana Moss. I'm, I'm not sure what year, but um, he eventually bounced back, got his shit together, and just a couple years ago, he did the, the Hogs camp. He got all the offensive linemen together, but he is a seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, seven in a row from 2012 to 2018, was a second-team All-Pro in 2015. He was a college All-American in in 2009 and many people would argue that he's one of the best left tackles in football in the past 10 years i think he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves because of some of the things that he's done that are tied to his name so some of the early failed drug tests and a lot of people remember the um, wild card playoff game where the redskins played the seattle seahawks and he actually punched richard sherman in the face (laughs) um so I, I don't know if he necessarily gets the credit he deserves. We've had not issues with him. I guess he's had issues with the Redskins in the past year. That's why he didn't step on the field. I'm hoping new coaching staff, um, Ron Rivera, can hopefully get him back in the building. And Dan Snyder, I believe, fired the athletic train, the head athletic trainer. So maybe we can get him back. I don't know. I hope so with Dwayne Haskins, a young guy you'd um, like to see us bring a left tackle in to protect his blind side as well as maybe keep a guy like Brandon Sheriff. So what did you have for your fourth? So my fourth pick was also a left tackle, but it was Chris Samuels. And, you know, I, I, I also have Trent Williams on this list. So, you know, he just talks about how important in the game, you know, having a, you know, a really solid left tackle is. Um, to protect your quarterback, to support your run game, all of that. So, um, so I went with, for number four, I went with Chris Samuels. Um, again, you know, he was a, uh, a Redskin pick in the 2000 NFL draft. Um, he played his entire uh, career with the Redskins, um, which 141 games played, started 141. So we're talking about a really durable guy. He, this is something that he also has in common with Kerrigan, who, you know, I think he had his missed his first start, you know, um, this year since he since uh, since he was a Redskin. So durability is a big thing for me. You can be a great player with a lot of talent and a lot of flash. But, you know, if you're only playing a half a season because you're missing a lot of games because you're injured and all of that or you're, you know, you're suspended or something. You know, you're not contributing to the team. So Chris Samuel, super durable guy, um, six-time Pro Bowler, 2001, 2002, five, six, seven, uh, eight. So obviously, um, you know, he is a Redskin ring of of fame. So he, you know, he's among among the uh, the greats of the team and in, in, in the whole franchise. Um, uh, Redskins gave up an awful lot to bring him on on board. You're just um, talking about that earlier. You know, uh, traded away a lot of uh, extra picks, but you know, I, I think the thing that I that I 
think the most about Chris Samuels is, is, you know, when I think about some of the other players that didn't make the top five, but that were exciting to watch, one of them was Clinton Portis. And I know that Clinton Portis wouldn't have been Clinton Portis if he didn't have Chris Samuels there um, moving people for him. So, you know, uh, just touching on that, you know, he was the one who paved the way for Clinton Portis to rank fourth in the NFL in rushing and yards from scrimmage um, in 2008 in the year that one of the years that he was the a Pro Bowl. Um, and he almost did this more or less did the same thing. Um, with Liddell Betts in 2006. So Liddell Betts. Liddell Betts, yeah. Remember him? Hey, a left, a solid left tackle yeah. who can run block, can make, you know, um, somewhat a pro bowl. So uh, so that's my pick number four, Chris Samuels, another uh, giant of a man. <laughs> All right, and then I'll let you go ahead and... Uh, okay, so number three, number three, number three, the other left tackle... Um, active Redskins player, Trent Williams. Um, yeah, seven times Pro Bowl, uh, starting in 2002 through 2018. And yeah, this year was a, was a strange year. Um, in a way, when I was thinking about some other former Redskins, I, I was thinking a little bit about um, Champ Bailey, actually, because Champ Bailey came in, rookie career, and then at the end of that, he's on fire. And he wants to get traded. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, Trent Williams, solid. You know, um, I know he's got the health issues. Doesn't feel like he was treated fairly by the Skins, health department and all of that. But, you know, uh, is he going to be one of, the, one of the guys that, you know, gets away from us? Uh, I certainly hope he's going to be back next year because I think under Ron Rivera, we could really turn this this club around. I think Schneider's learn that he has to have professionals running his football team um, and, you know, write the checks and uh, create a good fan experience because uh, we need to put our fans in the, in the stands. So, yeah, Trent Williams, no argument there. And I think it's interesting that you, you bring up kind of what happened with Champ Bailey, and we're going to get to him a little later. But the Redskins have a history in the past 20 years of Giving up a lot to get guys at the end of their careers, or not necessarily the end of their careers, but we pick them up, we pay a ton of money for what they did, and then they absolutely tank with the Redskins. I mean, you can think of Albert Hainsworth. That's probably one of the biggest busts, but you can even look at someone like Josh Norman now who has not played. Adam Archuleta. Adam Archuleta. <laughs> All of these guys where the Redskins have a history of um, bringing in players who have performed well and then all of a sudden they just kind of crap out with at Washington and in addition to that we also have a record of getting rid of guys trading guys letting guys walk who then go and and are absolute studs at other teams Champ Bailey is one um, but a, a ton of, even like Sean Swisham he was not the best with the Redskins but goes on plays with Pittsburgh and is a great kicker so I'm hoping that's not going to be the same with Trent Williams because someone's going to pay him a lot of money. We're going to find out. Um, so for number three, you had him a little earlier. I had Chris Samuels. Third overall pick out of Alabama, was an All-American there. And you talked a little bit about what we actually had to give up to give this guy. I don't really remember Chris Samuels. I remember when we were briefly talking about this on the phone. 
you know, who is going to be our top five, top 10 Redskins. And you had said Chris Samuels and I had like done a double take like, wait, Chris Samuels. Shh. We got the dog growling in the background. Um, Chris Samuels, like, who's that again? And then I, and then I had to put the pieces together because again, I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And I remember the Redskins who were, you know, this quote unquote skill position. So, and you talked about earlier what we gave up to, to get him, we gave up two first rounders, a fourth and a fifth, to take an offensive lineman, third overall. Which back then, when run when running the ball was so important, it's understandable. But there's teams who are giving up that to get like stud quarterbacks in the first round, not an offensive lineman, quarterbacks. And the Redskins have done that a few times where we we give up everything i remember when we drafted rg3 granted rookie year he, he won rookie of the year we went to the playoffs first nfc east title i've seen in my entire life um that one didn't pan out because of injuries and we can go on a whole episode about rg3 but i remember when we gave up everything to get him we we who we give st louis the rams and before they went to LA when it, they were the Rams. And I remember a couple games, what was it? A couple seasons kind of when RG3 kind of failed out with the Redskins, we had played the Rams. And do you remember the game where the Rams sent all of the players that they picked with, <laughs> with the Redskins for what we traded to get him? They sent him out there. That was kind of a slap in the face. But going back to Chris Samuels, that was a time where we gave everything and it turned out to be worth it. I guess I would say six Pro Bowls, um, 80 greatest Redskins of all time, Skins ring, uh, ring of fame. But you spoke about him earlier, and you definitely got to see him a little more than I did. So at number two, I'll go ahead with this one. I said Ryan Kerrigan, outside linebacker, 16th pick out of Purdue in 2011. I thought about putting him first. Um, you kind of made me think a little bit about Champ Bailey, but um, Ryan Kerrigan, four-time Pro Bowler, 2012, uh, 2016, 17, 18. Uh, he was all-rookie team in 2011. And I didn't realize how this guy was a college stud. He won the Bill Willis. Um, he was a Bill Willis winner, which is the best offensive lineman in college football, Big Ten defensive lineman and player of the year. I mean, Purdue, you don't think a powerhouse football team, but man, like I didn't realize he um, was as good in college as he was. And to slip to 16, probably, he probably slipped to 16. My guess is playing at Purdue. Some of those schools don't get the respect, but this is a guy who's done nothing but great things for Washington. I mean, good guy in the community, good guy in the field, on the field. He had 139 consecutive starts, which is the most by a left outside linebacker. I didn't even think they specified the left and the right when they talked about records. But 139 consecutive starts. I think he missed, what, two games this year with a concussion, um, which probably if that had happened 10, 15 years ago, he would have been playing. But the rules are changed, as they should. And... I don't under, I don't know why this guy doesn't get the I don't think he gets the credit in the league. People, you know, they constantly want to talk about Von Miller and JJ Watt and, and like a whole bunch of kind of random young guys. Since 1982, he is 7th 
in sacks with 90 behind Suggs, Vaughn Miller, Chandler Jones, Cameron Wake, J.J. Watt, and Clay Matthews. I don't know. I'm surprised Clay Matthews is on that list. We got to keep him. We got to keep him. (laughs) But I didn't think, like, he has 90 sacks. And granted, um, Vaughn Miller is a good bit ahead of him. But, like, that just shows, like, he's one of the best pass rushers in the league. And I think people have talked about this year, are we going to let, should we trade him? You know, the Redskins are in a rebuilding phase. Is it worth taking a hit on his contract? And, like, I don't really know where I stand with this because we can save some money. Granted, he's been an awesome Redskin, but the Redskins probably aren't going to make the playoffs in the next couple of years. And then by the time the Skins start picking up as an organization, I don't know if he's going to have a whole lot left in the tank. So do we do him a favor and the Skins a favor, trade him to a good team, let him finish out his career? Or do we keep paying him and hope now with sweat on the, with sweat Kerrigan this year people are talking they're Chase Young to Washington um, and we've got John Allen Matt Ioannidis and De'Aaron Payne in the in the middle I think we have to keep this guy um, I hope we do but we'll see and I, I definitely think people will be surprised I put Ryan Kerrigan as the second best Redskin in my opinion in the past twenty years but. I mean, I think he has the resume that proves it. So where are you at on number two? So at number two, um, I have Champ Bailey. And I know the first thing the Redskins fans are going to say is, uh, well, he really Denver. He's really Denver Broncos and all of that. But, you know, uh, Redskins drafted him in, in 1999 and uh, played a couple years for us. Um, you know, uh Gosh, you know, you can't say enough about the man's career. 12-time Pro Bowl, 2000 through 2007, then 2009 through 2012. You know, three-time first-team All-Pro. You know, a football Hall of Famer. And, you know, just to think about, you know, his first couple of years, um, you know, just amazing right out of the gate. And uh, wish he had stayed, but at the end of that rookie, you know, contract, you know, he wanted to be traded. And surprisingly, the Redskins didn't, you know, put the franchise tag on him and they, they traded him away. But uh, body of work, you know, first couple of years out, you know, got to be on the list. Yeah, so I, w- I would let you go number one here, but I'm going to go because my number one is Champ Bailey. Um, he was a first-round pick out of Georgia. Four Pro Bowls with the Skins, um, two second-team All-Pros with the Skins as well. Played five seasons for Washington. Started all 80 games. I was looking at that 16 games, 16 starts each season, 18 interceptions. And, you know, people, when they think Champ Bailey, they're going to think Denver right away. Um, but... I guess strictly from a talent standpoint and what he did with the team, I, I don't know if there, you know, is a better Redskin than than he was, but you kind of hit on him. And it's funny because, well, we trade, he left and we got Clinton Portis from Denver and Portis played a, what, a couple more years with Washington. Had, I, you know, I think Clint, Clint, Clinton Portis' career was somewhat unfair in the sense that 
you know, when he was healthy, of course we talk about that a lot, when he was healthy. Um, he was a stud, but when he was healthy, and he wasn't healthy a ton. And so Clinton Portis played a couple good years with the Skins, and then we got to watch Champ Bailey for the next nine years become one of the, if not the best, you know, corner defensive back of all time. So I will turn it over to you for your opinion of the best Redskin in the past 20 years. All right. Well, this, 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 was, um, this wasn't actually a really hard pick. Um, and, uh, you know, you talk about Champ Bailey. Okay. He came out like a rocket, you know, performing at a high level. And I would say part of the reason why he was able to do that is, is he had two other guys in the backfield when he was a rookie. And um, one was Deion Sanders and the other one was Daryl Green. And so my number one is Daryl Green. Now I know, you know, he became a Redskin. He was a, you know, he was a first round pick. Actually, he was, he was the last pick in the first round in the same year when all those great quarterbacks came into the league. You know, um, Marino, uh, you know, that, that, that great class. And uh, so he was the last pick there. Played from two, um, 1983 to 2002. And, you know, I think he's the greatest cornerback uh, that ever played the position in the NFL. No disrespect to Champ Bailey. Um, but, uh, you know, he's there. Pro Football Hall of Fame. Two Super Bowl wins. I know this is all, you know, before... Uh, his time uh, in you know in the 2000 season uh, through 2002, but seven-time Pro Bowl, the last one of which was 1997. Four-time first-team All-Pro, uh, Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. I mean, he's got it all. Um, uh, but you know, the thing that amazes me about him is is they they had this nickname of him. They called him the Ages Wonder because um, he was able to. To, to maintain a level of play um, that even if you could say in the 90, in the, in the early 2000s, well, he wasn't what he was, you know, early in his career. I mean, I don't know a person that can play at that kind of level at, at the age that, at, that he was um, when he was finishing up with us. Um, I also, uh, you got to respect a fast man, and um, he's a four-time winner of the NFL's Fastest Man competition and uh, the only undefeated multiple winner in NFL history. So, um, Daryl Green, most consecutive seasons with an interception at 19. You know, most seasons with at least one touchdown reception, tied with Jerry Rice. I mean, you can, it goes on and on and on and on. You know, oldest player with more than 80-yard interception. You know, uh, you know, he just maintained this level of play. And, you know, in many ways, he's the greatest Redskin I think I've ever seen play. So my number one. And I think Green. some people might be confused how he got in there. We did make a rule when we were discussing criteria that you could get grandfathered in if you had played some of your glory days in the 90s and made it into the 2000s. Unfortunately, I don't rem really remember Daryl Green, um, but that's why I have YouTube. So I guess now we'll talk about some honorable mentions or just some guys that we really liked watching, but you know, love love to watch versus being actually great is two different things. Um, 
one I have here at the top of my list, he, he shouldn't be at the top of my list, but uh, I want to talk about him, is Tress Way. He has been the punter for six seasons with the Skins since 2014. 14, he actually just made his first Pro Bowl this year and was his second team All-Pro as well. Again, that's pretty sad that we're talking about a punter. As an honorable mention, granted he's not at the top of the honorable mention list, but um, we mentioned earlier how you know that they're slim pickings when we're talking about these players. So I had him, London Fletcher. All right, come on, dog. London Fletcher, um, who was actually an undrafted free agent, 1998. And I didn't know he won a Super Bowl 34 with the Rams. Rams. Um, he and I remember him as a short, stocky, like not 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 like super, um, like he didn't play coverage a lot. Like he was really like a run stopping linebacker. He ran a four three eight at the combine. Granted, that was back when the when I don't know if we used all the technology we have now, but four three eight for a short, stocky guy, like he was pretty athletic. Um, sorry, the dog keeps wagging his tail. Um, he never missed a game in his entire career. He's one of five players to play in over 250 consecutive games. Most starts at linebacker with 215. He was a four-time Pro Bowler, second-team All-Pro. So if you would put him in your top five, I would. I mean, I couldn't really debate you on that one. Who else? Did, who else did you have? Well, I got a, I got a bunch of honorable mentions here. People that, you know, I think, uh, you know, obviously Sean Taylor is, is, is in there. Um, you know, uh, Chris Cooley, um, you know, uh, good player. Um, you know, a lot of seasons, 2004 to 2012. Um, you know, uh, solid player for the Redskins as a tight end. Um, but I had London Fletcher on there, um, Brian Arakapo, um, you know, then a little bit flashier, funner guys to watch like um, D. Hall, you know, Clinton Portis, um, even Santana Moss. I mean, you know, when he could catch a pass against the Dallas Cowboys running for a touchdown, you never, you're always going to remember that, you know, uh, and obviously, you know, Clinton Portis, you know, RG3, I don't think there was a more exciting year in the last 20 years is the year that he was you know lighting it up for us um but you know all all of them you know are actually had had pro bowl years i believe um some had a couple of multiples but you know i look at all these guys and i say gosh if we could all put them together in the same team you know what would we have we'd have daryl green and you know well we'd have sean taylor back there as a safety we'd have champ bailey you know, we'd have Daryl Green, we'd have D'Angelo Hall, the backfield, you know. We, then we'd have these solid guys. We'd have Brian Arakapo, and we'd have, we'd have um, Brian Kerrigan, you know. Um, uh, yeah, you could even throw LeVar Arrington in there, too. Um, I didn't have a defensive lineman. You know, that, I'd hope that changed in the next five years, you know, because we have all the makings of what could potentially be a really, really solid defense. You know, but then over on the defensive side, you know, you'd have you'd have RG three handing off to Clinton Portis or throwing the bomb to Santana Moss. 
or if he got in trouble, he'd throw it to Chris Cooley. I mean, it could it could be fun, but you'd have to mix up a, a whole lot of years here. So yeah, and I included D'Angelo Hall, all the same people: D. Hall, Chris Cooley, Santana Moss. Um, growing up, Santana Moss was definitely, I I think, still to this day, my favorite Redskin. When I was growing up, I always, I was going to be a receiver in the NFL. <laughs> um, he was drafted by the Jets. He was part of the, I think, the Miami crew with Clinton Portis and Sean Taylor. Um, made it to the Pro Bowl in 2005. And you just talked about him catching the ball in the Dallas Cowboys. I re- have written down here, fav- favorite Redskin moment. Um, Monday Monday or Sunday night football. The Skins were down 13 nothing with a couple minutes left and... Santana Moss caught two touchdowns for them to win fourteen to thirteen. Do you know who threw the ball to him? I don't know. Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel. Mark yeah. Brunel. Another another guy. Had we gotten him earlier in his career, yeah. you know. So and then I think my dad's favorite. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your favorite player probably was like Chris Cooley when my, when I was yeah. Santana Moss. Yeah. Um, D'Angelo Hall, three-time Pro Bowler. He has. Tied record for most interceptions in a game, which is four against the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Was that Rex Grossman or Jay Cutler? I, Jay I Cutler. think it's Jay, Jay Cutler, yeah. I think it was Jay <laughs> Cutler. Four interceptions in a game. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And I also saw, I believe it was most fumble return yards, which is quite kind of an interesting yeah. stat, but tied for the most fumble return yards. Um, a couple guys I have that didn't play enough with the Redskins or due to injuries kind of, you know, prevented what could have been. I, Kirk Cousins, a guy, you know, people like to crap on Kirk Cousins a lot, um, which sometimes I can understand, but a guy that we couldn't end up keeping here, it'd be interesting to see what the past couple years would have been like had he had stayed. Jordan Reed, another guy where, I mean, one of the best, most talented players on the field in the past couple of years. I remember another Cowboy moment. He had that one-handed catch like around the linebacker, the corner. But a guy who's had a million concussions. And unfortunately, I don't know if we'll ever quite see um, really who Jordan Reed is. RG3 almost snuck past Santana Moss as my favorite Redskin. I remember... 2015 as rookie year, I was buying all of the the socks, <laughs> all the sayings, the flashy. Remember when he tore his, he blew out his knee, and I was the one saying he'll be back, and you were telling me, you know, I don't know, and he never really made it with Washington. Went to Cleveland for a bit, um, then I think he was just out of the league for a little, for like a year or two, and then Baltimore. I think he's a free agent. After this season too, so it'll be. In- I'm sure he'll land on a team. I don't know where. I don't know if he'll ever start again. Clinton Portis, another guy injuries where you know maybe what could have been, but um, hope he gets his life together. Yeah, he's got some issues now with. They did some insurance stuff. I don't. I don't know. He was a guy that he would post game. He would wear all of those weird outfits costumes yeah. he had like a cam how cam newton kind of was back yeah a, a couple years ago clint portis would do that and he would go up there and mumble on 
I apologize. The interview got cut off there at the end. Um, still having some trouble doing some editing, but I'll learn. I'll get better. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. And if you made it this far, that's great. Um, I hope to bring a lot of other sports content to you all. And I hope you follow me in this journey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unfinished Business with Matt Sweeney, where we talk everything sports. We'll